All right, guys, welcome in today's episode of the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Blake Lovell, and on today's episode of the podcast, we look at the some of the SEC basketball seniors and grad transfers from 2019-20 season. Um, I know that's been one of the things that, that I've thought about a lot uh, since uh, you know the SEC tournament came to a close after just two games. The NCAA tournament was canceled. And you think about you know not just all the players and coaches that, that have put all the work into this, uh, but really specifically you know the, the seniors, the grad transfers, uh, the guys who you know were looking at this opportunity as a way to to maybe you know finish up their college careers, um, you know w- with having an opportunity to play uh, in what is the the biggest month of the season for college basketball and to play in an SEC tournament, uh, to potentially play in the NCAA tournament. And so you think about all that uh, with everything that's going on, and I know the NCAA, there's been lots of, of discussion about the extra year of eligibility, but I think at this point, it's impossible to know exactly how that's going to play out given all the logistical uh, things that are going to go along with it and because we don't know exactly uh, how long the entire sports calendar is going to be pushed back uh, due to the coronavirus situation. So uh, it's hard to know, and so because of that, um, I think I think it's worth looking at some of these guys and really, you know, appreciating what what they brought to their specific uh, school. And so we're going to do that. And I know we probably won't be able to to talk about every single player, you know, walk ons included and all that. But we're going to talk about a lot of them, and we'll do it uh, in random order. And we start with Kentucky. Uh, Nate Sestina, uh, someone who you know he transfers in from Bucknell, uh, played a key role in the rotation this season. And I know how excited, you know, he was to have an opportunity to come to Kentucky. And we always talk about that, you know, the draw of playing for Kentucky and especially, uh, you know, someone like him who, who had a very successful career at Bucknell and now comes in for the opportunity to potentially have a chance to play for a national championship um, and, and something, you know, again, you, you think about everything that goes along with this and guys like this who who are transferring in um, wanting that opportunity to to maybe be a step closer to playing for a championship uh, that's what you think about I think in this situation uh, with Nate Sestina and you you think about all the elements that go along with it and and just his overall excitement you know for playing at Kentucky and and Kyle Tucker of of the Athletic and uh, Locked On Kentucky did an outstanding story. Uh, it was actually in April of 2019, so almost a year ago now. Uh, I think when when it was first, you know, decided that he was going, that Nate Sassina was going to come to Kentucky. Um, just a terrific story from Kyle, and I'm going to put that in the show notes. As I am a lot of these stories in here that I'm going to mention uh, with some of these guys, but I would highly recommend if you want some reading material right now, especially highly recommend this one because. Uh, it is a great story just on, on Nate Sestina's uh, hometown from Pennsylvania, um, just, just his entire background and what led him to Kentucky. Those are the types of fascinating stories uh, that I love, you know, just to see, you know, how players like this make their way to a school like Kentucky and, and the, the decision to transfer in and all the things, uh, you know, that, that go along with it. And so um, someone like him, uh, certainly a very talented player, and, um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, just it was fun for him, I know, to be able uh, to have a chance to play uh, for Kentucky. And then uh, Georgia's group, uh, you've got guys like Tyree Crump, uh, Jordan Harris, uh, Donnell Gresham, who transferred in from Northeastern. Um, you know, another guy like Nate Sestina, you know, comes from a smaller uh, school transferring in to have an opportunity to play, you know, for, for a team like Georgia. 
Um, you know, you look at Tyree Crump, uh, you think about it, you know, going into the SEC tournament is unfortunate because uh, I know Tom Crean had mentioned he had been dealing uh, with mono and hadn't had a opportunity, you know, to, to be around the team. And then, you know, you play that SEC tournament game where they played so well against Ole Miss. Um, you know, so, so you hate to certainly see it for someone like that, you know, that, that was kept off the court, um, unfortunately, you know, due, due to an illness and, um, uh, not be able to to even play in the SEC tournament uh, in his senior season, and uh, you know with, with someone like Tyree Crump, just uh, we know his shooting ability, um, and you know just like him and Jordan Harris, who Jordan Harris, I mean he he played a very good game against Ole Miss, and a lot of people, you know, you mentioned just just how he's playing some of his best basketball with what he did uh, in that win against Ole Miss, and and you think about it for guys like that, like like Crump and Harris, you know, coaching changes are not easy, and uh, to be able to, to navigate through that, as we see, is not always an easy process. That's why you see a lot of guys sometimes transfer in and out. Um, some guys maybe don't necessarily fit in with the new staff, uh, find it hard to adjust to a new system. Uh, but, you know, for guys like this, I think you have to give them credit uh, for sticking in there and, and, and finding their role, you know, in Tom Crean's uh, system and being able to adapt to that. And uh, while Georgia didn't have the type of success they wanted to have this season, uh, yeah, I think you do have to, to shed, have that appreciation for, for guys like that because um, I think, you know, oftentimes it is. It's not, you know, with the way that the transfer world works, um, you know, sometimes there are better opportunities out there. And it may be easier just to, to try to find a, a fit that's better. But for these guys, you know, they were, were clearly committed to Georgia. They were clearly committed uh, to finding a way to make it work, you know, under a new coaching staff. And uh, I think you give them credit for that uh, and what they were able to accomplish there with them. I uh, look at Missouri, uh, Reed Nico, um, someone who has really improved. And I know Karen mentioned it. One of the uh, comments we had on Twitter uh, from Karen about just, you know, overall his his leadership, and I think you look at it with that in terms of, of Reed Nico's uh, leadership with this specific team, and she said, uh, you know, he really grew up and led the team this year. I uh, feel like, you know, we really got to know him, and, and and I think that's the cool aspect of it is when when you have guys like this to, who improve their game, you start to see that confidence in them, and, and that's always exciting is when you, when you do have guys like that who – who improve their game and really just, you know, become a, a, a key part, you know, of the rotation and a key role and play a pivotal role on the team. And that's what we mentioned, you know, with the leadership of having a senior like that, um, you know, no matter how many minutes you play, how it compares to everyone else, when, when you're a senior and you're one of the lone guys in the locker room, you know, that, that has been there and understood the ups and downs of a program, uh, that's going to add, you know, an element of leadership to it. And there's no doubt uh, that someone like Reed Nico uh, had that uh, here from Missouri. And, um, again, just uh, an improved player. And uh, I think he's someone that, that played an important role for them, not just on the court, uh, but off the court as well. And then uh, for LSU, uh, how about this group? Skylar Mays, Marlon Taylor. Um, you know, Skylar Mays transforming himself into an all-SEC player. Dave mentioned on Twitter, uh, you know, talking about just the epitome of the student-athlete, and he was the Scholar-Athlete of the Year in the SEC, um, and as Dave mentioned, the Academic All-American of the Year. And he also, you know, in his comment, talked about just playing the, the last two seasons without his closest friend, and that was Wade Sims. Uh, we all remember uh, the tragic situation there uh, with Wade Sims, and, you know, that was just – it was something that that I don't think you can unless you're you're inside that locker room or around that program it's hard for any of us just to to know exactly the all the emotions that went along 
with that situation. Um, and, you know, it's just something to somewhat Marshall Graves, who started as a walk-on there, um, eventually earned a scholarship. And something, here's a quote from Will Wade from December 2018 uh, on giving Marshall Graves a scholarship. Uh, quote, he's earned it. Uh, he deserves it. And I'm proud of him, and I know Wade would be proud. Uh, he'd be proud to have Marshall have it because they were high school teammates. So that's pretty cool. And so you think about that. Think about the way that, that all of that affected everyone uh, in that program. And specifically, you look at these guys, um, you know, like Skylar Mays, Marlon Taylor, Marshall Graves. Um, it's just that they went through some some really tough times there at LSU. And, um, you, you know, you just you think about everything that they did go through, but yet were able to excel on the court. Um, we, we mentioned Skylar Mays. I mean, just becoming one of the most underrated players in the country, one of the best playmaking guards, uh, and really just one of the best players in the SEC. Marlon Taylor, he his his athleticism absolutely insane. You could probably put Marlon Taylor's athleticism up against anybody in the country. Um, if there was an SEC dunk contest, I know we had this fun discussion. Um, you could put him right at the top of the list because uh, his athleticism just unbelievable. Uh, and that entire group, you know, a very very winning group. We know they had uh, some hard times, both both on and off the court. And um, you know, you just you have to certainly look at guys like this. And as we said, I mean, just just what they were able to accomplish there, and no doubt, uh, lots of things uh, that this specific group at LSU uh, accomplished there for the Tigers. But uh, coming up, uh, we will look at some of the other teams. Uh, we'll dive into Auburn, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Florida and Texas A&M, and we'll get to the other teams a little bit later on. But we'll dive into those specific teams uh, coming up here on the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. And we pick up with the group from Auburn. Um, you know, the just just an unbelievable story, really, for this entire group, uh, for the Tigers. Uh, when you look at it, I mean, you go down the list, uh, you've got Samir Dowdy, Austin Wiley, Javon McCormick, D'Angelo Purifoy, Anthony McLemore, um, got guys like that who have contributed so much to, to this program. And, you know, again, what can you really say about the success that they've had? Uh, the wins, just the, the unprecedented amount of wins that this particular group has put together here in an Auburn uniform. And, you know, you just think about each of their individual roles in terms of Auburn's ascent into, you know, one of the top college basketball programs in the country. And I know we keep mentioning that, and, and some people are like, well, how is, is that really the case? And that's why, you know, we, we kept bringing up when you think about where this Auburn program was uh, when Bruce Pearl took over as head coach to where they are now. Um, you know, it's just it's one of those things where you look back at last season having a Final Four run, and then, you know, their record, what it was going into the SEC tournament. That's, there's a lot of wins in there, and you know, and to also be a part of a Final Four appearance, and, and all these guys just making key contributions in the run to the Final Four. These this particular group has accomplished so much, and you know, I know Justin Ferguson of the Athletics shared uh, on Twitter, you know, just a post from Anthony McLemore on his Instagram, and it's just him, you know, sitting on the court uh, by himself, and I think it's something where. You know, you think about that, and that's one of those things where a picture can kind of say, you know, it speaks a thousand words in terms of uh, you think about someone like him and his particular story itself. And Josh Vitale um, of the Montgomery Advertiser, he did a fantastic story 
on Anthony McLemore's just career at Auburn. Again, we'll include these these particular links in the show notes. You guys uh, can have a lot of material uh, to work with. I know there are lots of people out there uh, looking for things, you know, to occupy themselves right now. And and I'm going to put links to all of this. But but Josh's story just unbelievable when you think about. Anthony McLemore, you know, the injury that he had in that South Carolina game, the way that he worked himself back uh, from that, just what was a an absolutely gruesome injury. Um, and to be, you know, where he was this season, it's just something to think about when we say, you know, it doesn't matter who you root for. Um, it's easy to root for, for good stories, and it's easy to root for college kids, um, you know, who are putting all this this work into this. And um, I think you, you certainly, all these guys that we're talking about, but really, you know, you look at Anthony McLemore's situation and just – it's just it's just something you know to think about what what he was able to accomplish um, even after that injury and to work himself back you know into being a, a a main contributor to another team that was a a top ten team this season and and could have had a chance you know to make another deep run in the NCAA tournament and then. And so it's just, yeah, this Auburn group, I mean, again, lots of wins from this group and lots of different players that got better uh, under Bruce Pearl's leadership. And um, just, yeah, what a group this was. And as we say, not knowing exactly, you know, what the NCAA is going to rule on. uh, But, uh, you know, even if this is the college career for this particular group, uh, they certainly uh, accomplished quite a bit uh, there at Auburn. Uh, And then Ole Miss, uh, you look at Brian Tyree. I mean, you know, one of the most dynamic scorers in college basketball, uh, I can remember back to SEC Basketball Media Day in Birmingham. That would have been uh, mid-October. Um, I, the one question that, that commonly came up, players were getting asked this um, a lot. You know, all the players that, that were coming in from each individual teams, you know, doing their, their interviews, they were getting asked the same question in terms of who is the toughest player to guard in the SEC. And, and Brian Tyree's name came up the most, and I think that shows you – just what other players thought of them and you know as we say you know the respect between players uh, we know is there when you can have the, that type of respect from uh, you know your peers and the guys who are going up against you trying to you know win every single night they're trying to beat you um, but yet they they respect your game and I think that was certainly the case for Brian Tyree just his scoring performances I know the one that stands out this season was the 40-point game he had against Mississippi State. But he's had so many other games similar to that, even if they're not, you know, to that point total specifically, where he just took over the game. And I think he, you know, we saw it, I think even when Andy Kennedy was there as head coach, we started to see Brian Tyree uh, make that move towards becoming a top playmaker. Uh, But really, you know, over the past couple seasons, he has just, you know, emerged not just as a top playmaker in the SEC, but really around the country when you think about the guards um, that, that are around college basketball and so uh Brian Tyree definitely you know his game uh going to translate to the next level whether that's in the NBA uh whether that's playing you know in the G League overseas uh wherever uh he's going to have a bright future in basketball and then the group at Tennessee um you know it's kind of sort of similar to Auburn in that you look at these two guys Lamonte Turner and Jordan Bowden um, they were a part of a significant turnaround for their specific program. And, you know, obviously Lamonte Turner, um, you know, his season was cut short, the injury early in the season. And, you know, from there, that put a lot more on Jordan Bowden to, to be the leader of this team and to, to really, 
you know, continue to expand his role, and we saw that from him. Um, you know, Connie on, on Twitter, she mentioned when you look at these two guys specifically, um, you know, both reaching the 1,000-point club at Tennessee um, and just, you know, hating that, that Lamonte Turner's career was co- cut short due to the shoulder injury. Uh, both great players, both good dudes, as she says, uh, and they are. I mean, they're two guys that – you know, we think back to what Tennessee and as similar to Auburn in that they are the, the two teams really over the past couple of years, at least, um, that, that have made their move up there and have consistently been able, uh, you know, to, to feel like they can they can challenge at the top of the SEC. And, um, you know, in large part, thanks to two guys like this, to Lamonte Turner and Jordan Bowden, uh, because they were, and I know last year, you know, we look at Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield, um, all those guys, Kyle Alexander, Jordan Bone, um, who weren't on the roster this year. And we knew that was going to put a lot more on these two guys. And then, as we said, you, you add the Turner injury into it, that put a lot more on Jordan Bowden. But, uh, you know, he was still able to, to embrace that role and to understand his responsibility, not just as someone who had to produce on the court, but also as the leader of this team. And um, so th- there's no doubt when you think about the contributions of those guys, um, their improvement, you know, player development is something we always talk about. There's no doubt that these two guys, they really developed their game as, as basketball players in this program. And uh, just, yeah, just, just fun to watch this team uh, when these two guys were on the court and, and really fun to watch Jordan Bowden this season, you know, throughout the year be able to put this Tennessee team in a position where hey we don't know you know had they won a couple games in the SEC tournament beat Alabama potentially beat Kentucky they could have had a chance to make the NCAA tournament we we don't really know um, we can play the what if game but uh, what you don't have to play the what if game on is is whether or not these two guys were able to turn uh, the Vols back into a consistent winner in the SEC because that's what they were able to do uh, and they played a big role in that uh, and then with Florida you know Kerry Blackshear Jr. I think someone who you know he was questionable to play in the the SEC tournament um, and we think back really you know to the impact he had on this program throughout the season um, he was a big part of it because you you take his game out of away from this Florida team and I know this team had its its ups and downs its inconsistencies we talked about that throughout the season but you take someone like that you know away from the basket with, with his skills and abilities it's a completely different season for Florida because he was that one missing piece we we kept talking about as he was making his decision, we knew he was going to transfer uh, for Virginia Tech. There were lots of rumors about where he could go. You know, would he return to Virginia Tech? Would he go to Kentucky? Would he join Buzz Williams at Texas A&M? Um, just that entire story. What what a huge decision that was because he was seemingly the big domino when you look at how we looked at, at, at transfers. You know, who was the biggest guy on the market? It was Gary Blackshear, um, and, and his decision was going to – you know, be the thing that we thought put Florida in that contention for a Final Four team, a preseason top 10 team. And again, not to, to focus on the negative. We know Florida had its ups and downs, but uh, just a, a really talented player. There, There's no question. I mean, there's no questioning that. And a uh, great story from Will Salmon uh, of The Athletic. Um, you know, he talked about why, you know, Kerry Blackshear ultimately chose Florida and really just that entire story, as we said, thinking about, and it feels like forever ago now, but thinking about his decision and, and all the rumors that were out there about what he was going to decide. Was he going to go to Texas A&M? Uh, was he going to go to Kentucky? Where was he going to go? And then ultimately choosing Florida, um, that that gave that, that Gators team, again, that missing element. And even though this team uh, had its inconsistencies, we still thought if they could have put together a run in the SEC tournament, you would not have wanted to play Florida in the NCAA tournament. And, uh, you know, obviously Kerry Blackshear 
would have been a big part of that. I know he'd been dealing with an injury, but uh, still, just just someone that, that added a lot to the program, and uh, no doubt the Gators were better uh, having him on the court. And speaking of Texas A&M, uh, you had guys there like Josh Nebo, Wendell Mitchell, um, who, you know, I think are guys, as we, we talked about with some of the others, you know, you look back at at the guys at Georgia, um, you know, others as well, go through coaching changes. You don't ever really know exactly um, what it's, how your role is going to look uh, when you have that. But someone like Josh Nebo, who came in last season, played for Billy Kennedy, um, you know, stays there now, uh, now is, you know, thrives under Buzz Williams in terms of uh, just becoming one of the better big men in the SEC. Um, you know, his, his improvement was obvious, and you look at Mitchell, uh, became a consistent player. You know, he started his career at Baylor, uh, then he went to JUCO route, went to Texas A&M, uh, became a, a really, like I said, just a, a consistent player for them this season and helped this team uh, become, you know, one of the most surprising teams, I think, not just in the SEC, but in college basketball. And um, you just, you think about specifically that that particular group and those two guys and what they were able to bring to the table. Um, I know Mark French, someone else uh, who's a senior on that roster. But these two guys just so important to, to this team's success this season and, you know, help this team be one of the most improved in the country. And that, you know, that's why we were all talking about Buzz Williams as a Coach of the Year candidate, just because uh, of players like this that bought into the system um, that that were just, you know, they didn't care what the expectations were. They knew where they were back in December, you know, but they just got better. And I, I think that's something that you, you have to appreciate about these guys. And, and it would have been fun to see if Texas A&M, you know, could they have had that run in them in the, in the SEC tournament? Uh, because we had already seen them beat Missouri twice. We had seen them just beat Auburn. Um, you know, it wouldn't have been out of the realm of possibility that the Aggies could have made a run. And if they would have, it, it would a lot of it probably would have came down to to the play of guys like Nebo and Mitchell and, and what they're able to to do this season. And uh, yeah, they, those two guys really fun to watch. And as we said, um, you know, for a coaching change and to be able to adjust that quickly as they did this season, you know, they had their bumps in the road early, but um, they adjusted and and they, like many others, as we've said, in some of these coaching changes situations, um, they bought in and, and they succeeded because of it. And uh, just really fun to watch these two guys uh, play there for the Aggies. Uh, but coming up, uh, we will look at the other teams, uh, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Alabama, Mississippi State, and South Carolina. Uh, we'll dive into some of the players uh, on their rosters as we look at uh, the seniors and the grad transfers uh, in SEC basketball this season. We'll look at more of them here coming up on the Locked On SEC podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. And Vanderbilt, uh, Cleavon Brown, you know, someone who was a really important player for the Commodores, I think, you know, throughout his career there. And he really improved his outside shooting this season, but the injuries, you know, he had an injury that kept him sidelined for the majority of the season. And and I think that's where you do play the what-if game. We talked about that a little bit earlier, but um, you can play the what-if game with Vanderbilt because I, I know we all focused on Aaron Neesmith and how much different it would be uh, with him on the court. But if you add Cleavon Brown, who's you know a front-court guy who can step out and shoot the three, he would have helped him defend better probably uh, in the paint. Um, that would have added a, a big element, too, to this Vanderbilt team. And that's why I think you know we, we probably have to look at it more than just what would this team have been like this season with, with Aaron Neesmith? What would this team have been like with Aaron Neesmith and Cleavon Brown? Because I think it would have looked a little bit different um, for the Commodores, and they would have had a lot more opportunities, as we said, uh, given their improvement down the stretch. You had those two players on the court, and and obviously, I mean, it's it, it's a different dynamic, and it's a different team that can – 
that can play with more depth, that can probably play a little bit more of a different style too, uh, and be able to, you know, handle the grind of SEC play, which, you know, they did quite well down the stretch, as we saw in terms of, of their improvement. Um, but but definitely, you know, Cleavon Brown's someone that doesn't need to get overlooked, I think, in this whole mix, because his injury um, was a big impact on this team, just because of the position that he played, and, and what he was able to do, as we said, improving his outside shooting, and, and someone that, you know, could, could have been, been a, you know, a much-needed defender in the paint, and, and giving this team, uh, you know, some intangibles that they could have used uh, to maybe help them find some more wins in Jerry Stackhouse's first season. But uh, no doubt, Cleavon Brown, uh, again, someone who had to deal with coaching changes. But, um, you know, and just really you think about all the, the different changes that he had throughout his career there at Vanderbilt, uh, developed as a player, and uh, unfortunately, as we said, the injury uh, kept him off the court uh, for the majority of the season. Uh, then you go to Arkansas. Um, you know, quite a group there, too. Uh, guys like Jimmy Witt, uh, Gene Tosilla, uh, Adriel Bailey. Uh, you know, you had two guys transfer, you know, the Witt and Silla, the, the two transfers. You know, Jimmy Witt started his uh, career at Arkansas, went to SMU, came back to Arkansas. Uh, Anthony mentioned that in the Twitter thread just talking about Jimmy Witt's story uh, and really just, you know, to, to come basically full circle back to Arkansas and, and to play the way he did this season too. We have to think about that. You know, there were lots of guys that stepped up uh, when you look at, you know, Isaiah Joe's injury, how that impacted Arkansas. Jimmy Witt was one of those guys, but it wasn't just, you know, during that stretch. He stepped up throughout the season because we, we saw very early on that this Arkansas team was going to look a little different in terms of how they played. They were going to be a group that was mainly a guard-oriented group, and we saw Jimmy Whip play right into that. Um, and then even for someone like Adriel Bailey, you know, I think he's someone that maybe a little underrated in terms of, of what the value that he brought to this Arkansas team because, again, a team that didn't have a lot of size, um, they needed Adriel Bailey, you know, to play big, and that's what he was able to do. And I think, um, you know, and we I remember back to Mike Anderson, too, talking about him last year, just someone that, uh, you know, part of an older group on the team and, and someone that, that you felt like, you know, was going to play a key role no matter what. And I think we saw that for him, you know, even with the coaching change they had this season. Um, you know, another one of those players that we can put, really, as we've mentioned with some of these other guys, maybe just that they're not the guys that get all the attention um, in terms of the coverage and all that, but but they're important guys um, that are that are very valuable to a team's success. And I think you put Adriel Bailey in that category um, for sure. And then Alabama, you know, Beetle Bolton, I think he added a lot to the rotation. I know there were a lot of people were excited thinking about, okay, you add Beetle Bolton to the mix and NATO system. Uh, how's that going to work out? You know, all the possibilities with that situation. Uh, Dana mentioned it in the Twitter thread. Uh, she loved the energy that, that he brought to the game. Uh, she mentioned quick, disruptive, and played with emotion. And that did, Dana, that made him fun to watch uh, for sure because, um, you know, and, and, you know, he was. He's kind of that that spark plug sort of guy, and that's what you need, you know, in NATO's system. I mean, it's, it's an up-and-down type of style, and you got to have that energy, and Beetle Bowen was bringing that. And, you know, he was one of the guys, too, that was dealing with, with injury, sick illness, um, you know, this was that kind of season for Alabama, and that's the, we we've mentioned that so many times at this point. You know, what what Alabama would have looked like if you know they they're able to avoid the injuries and, and have these guys all on the court uh, at their best. It it could have looked a lot different. I know we can play that game with everyone, but uh, Beetle Bolden uh, transferred into Alabama. You know, made a from West Virginia, and um, yeah, someone that that added a lot to to what. 
Alabama tried to do in Nate Oates' first season and uh, someone else, as we said, that, uh, you know, just, just seemed to fit the way that they wanted to play, you know, with all the other guards they had around them, Kyra Lewis, John Petty, um, you know, Jaden Shackelford, and, and it's just – you had quite a group there in that backcourt for Alabama this season, but uh, uh, Mississippi State. Yeah, Tyson. Look at a guy like Tyson Carter. Um, you know, underrated his entire career. I thought um, he surpassed his father Greg uh, on Mississippi State's all-time scoring list. Uh, great uh, story from back in mid-January uh, from Garrett Hodge of the Dispatch uh, in in Mississippi, and I'll include that uh, link as well uh, in the notes. But just a, a great story on, on the relationship between Tyson Carter um, and his father and just being able to, you know, you know, having his son play for Mississippi State and now, you know, to, to have Tyson Carter be able to, to surpass him on the scoring list, just a, a really cool thing. You know, those are the types of stories that you love. You just love to be able to look at stories like that. And, and that, again, is not it's not just about your favorite team. It's just it's the stories, it's the moments. Those are why we love college sports. And I think having that for these student athletes, so cool. And something like that, you know, it had to be an awesome moment uh, for, for both Tyson Carter and his dad. Uh, when, you, when you think about all that and, and both of them going to Mississippi State and, um, you know, having having Tyson Carter succeed there, and he did. I mean, that's a, that's a team, too, in Mississippi State. You know, you look at them and, and man, they had that devil buy in the SEC tournament. Uh, you felt really good about where they were at, being able to play their way into the tournament, potentially as an at-large team, um, and just not getting that opportunity. It just you, you think all of you think about that. It's just like man, uh, that's that's what we look at right now, and, and it just keeps us all uh, thinking uh, for sure about uh, the possibilities. But uh, no doubt, Tyson Carter, uh, really fun career uh, there at Mississippi State, and then uh, we finish up with South Carolina. Mike Coatsar. Um, what about this guy? You know, played a key role on a Final Four team at South Carolina, uh, the first ever Final Four team in the program's history. Um, and, you know, Gary on Twitter mentioned just the, you know, the improvement that, that Mike Coatsar made throughout his career there. You know, became Gary mentions, you know, became better on offense, always a good defender, uh, became a good free throw shooter, a jump shooter, and a dunker. He's got dunker in all caps in his senior year uh, and a good passer too. And Gary mentions that he's going to miss him uh, playing for the Gamecocks. But, yeah, I think he's another one that, you know, we, we think about what South Carolina has been able to accomplish. And, we you know, we, we think about all these teams – you know, for years it was like you looked up and it was Kentucky and Florida, Kentucky and Florida. Uh, but we've seen, you know, Auburn, Tennessee, uh, LSU's there now. And then South Carolina having a Final Four team in the past several seasons um, and Frank Martin seemingly always having them in that position uh, to where they're they're having a chance to compete in that top half in the SEC. And a really great story on Coatsar. Um, when you look back at, at his senior night there and you think about it, you know, this he's from Estonia. And just a great story from from Ben Brainer uh, of the state. And I'm going to put that one also in the show notes. Just uh, an awesome story on his parents being able uh, to be there on his senior night and the first time they had seen him play uh, in a long time. And and just to, to have that moment again, I think it... It hammers home, you know, the the senior aspect of this. And for someone like Mike Coatsar, coming all this way to play for South Carolina, uh, to have the success that that he's had there, uh, I think, you know, one of those things that – you know, none of us ever thought South Carolina was going to be playing in a Final Four that season, and you know he was a part of that team. And since then, um, you know he's been a leader on on this team, 
And, um, you know, certainly when you think about all, all the things that he was able to accomplish individually, uh, just in terms of his individual game, but also uh, in terms of what he was able to accomplish just within the team, Again, his entire story uh, coming from where you know he came from, uh, traveling a long way from home to, to play uh, for this South Carolina team and Frank Martin. Uh, very awesome story and would highly suggest uh, you give this one a read. And all the other ones as well uh, that we've talked about here. Um, just, just so many different stories. Um, every player has a different story. And I think if you're looking for, for ways to, again, uh, keep yourself occupied without new games on TV, um, go back through check out the stories of all these different guys and again i know there's some guys that i left out they've got great stories too um but uh i just thought it would be fun to to do this you know just to run through uh because uh you know we we need some positivity and i think there are a lot of positive things um that all these seniors and grad transfers uh brought to the table for these sec teams but as always uh be sure to subscribe head over any podcast app you use to search for locked on sec and um if you enjoy the show again leave a nice five-star rating review that just helps the show reach more people uh and for everything else uh, you can follow me on twitter at the blake level and uh again if you're excited uh for the nfl draft and i know uh right now we don't exactly know when the nfl draft is going to be uh but if you want some insight into the nfl draft uh just tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of locked on nfl draft uh for great uh nfl draft coverage but thanks as always for listening and i'll talk to you guys next time here on the locked on sec podcast part of locked on podcast network